This is EJ Laws, the host of HR Tech Go to Market, the number one podcast on how HR Tech, Future of Work, DAO tooling, and automation companies go to market. This episode, part two of two with Joshua Lapidus, the executive steward of community from Opolis, is packed with information about the DAO space, the ideal use cases for a DAO, how you set compensation in a DAO, talent planning in a DAO, how to get involved, why Opolis is the best choice for DAO contributors, co-marketing in DAOs, and more. If you're interested in DAOs, deep dive. That's fantastic. Do you have a sense of like the breakout use case of a DAO? Because there are things that are becoming DAOs that are DAOs, and it feels like it's experimentation, which is great. I love experimentation. But it's not necessarily clear to me that it has to be a DAO, right? And I think it's great to experiment. So it's not to take away from the experiment, but are there cases sure. that only make sense as a DAO? Uh, you know? Yeah. The one that stands out most to me is probably an HOA. Where there's like there's no real good reason. Well, one, I don't think HOA should exist at all. I think it's a tyrannical form of government, and okay. I hate my HOA. I hope you're listening, HOA. I hate you. <laughs> I've heard people love HOAs. It's so surprising. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's the weirdest thing to me is that so I worked in Democratic politics for like ten years, and like Republicans will go on and on about how they they want small government and they hate taxes. And like literally, they created this stupid form of government that takes an additional tax. That is another intermediary between themselves and the county. It's true. Why do they love HOAs so much? Well, I think that's that a different rhetorical. podcast. But no, yeah. I know. So HOAs are not particularly transparent. They generally elect a board, but it's it, they're almost always one member, one vote. Like if my house is worth a million dollars and your house is worth 500,000, it doesn't matter. You don't have more votes in, or I don't have more votes in the HOA than you. It's one member, one vote. We are all members of this community. And we all put money into a group treasury that is supposed to spend things on public goods, like putting up flags during the holidays that require patriotism and Christmas lights and landscaping. And in in the case of my specific HOA, a lot of damage to the lake. Okay. Erosion. There's a lot of erosion around our lake. But we elect a couple people and... They manage the treasury. HOAs are a perfect use case for being on chain and doing these things more transparently. The existing infrastructure of like the companies that service HOAs, where like you pay them a fee to manage it for you, they have no interest in in doing this. So while it's probably one of the most perfect examples of what should be an HOA, what should be a DAO, they probably won't be for a while. Also, HOAs are almost exclusively managed by boomers, and boomers don't like crypto. <laughs> that That is coming in hot with a point of view on that. Okay, so <laughs> HOAs are these weird organizations. No one really controls them. And so like, but they do provide potentially some value in terms of the neighborhood. And that makes me well, think they, like, they are they're right now controlled by like a tyrannical board. That is elected, and it's it's. I mean, it is a relatively thankless job because everyone's complaining about things, and you don't get paid. Often, you don't get paid. But the, a key feature of it is that you can be removed by election. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of the things that call themselves DAOs now are, you're not able to remove a signer on a multisig by election. It's all through social signaling. Um, There's no recall which, process or no. Uh, impeachment no if the the only the only impeachment is to like stop using that ecosystem we saw this with like the wonderland like the uh, t- time 
was a, a big uh, ecosystem like Olympus Fork, where mm-hmm. one of the people who was on the multisig probably should not have been on the multisig, and it was on the multisigners to rectify that. And the community is not able to actually vote to remove multisigners. So, is that something so, that should just happen in the smart contract? Like, is that a fix? In the yeah, I, I, it doesn't exist anywhere yet. Like, so in in Moloch DAOs, you can rage kick somebody, which is removing them from having a voting share. Which they you can't seize their their money. Like when when someone gets rage kicked, they leave with their shares and with their pro rata right to the whatever is in the treasury. But like uh, Gnosis safes don't have that as a feature. There's not like a token that can that like by through a mechanism by which you vote to remove somebody from the multi-sig. And that's one of the key components that's missing between things that are calling themselves DAOs and those things that are not DAOs actually being DAOs, which is probably one of the greater ironies that an HOAs are closer to actually being DAOs than some of these things that are calling themselves DAOs. Yeah, I don't know that I would made that have made that connection before, but I think that's an interesting point on just the the governance angle. I think I've seen some comments before that there's more DAO tooling than there are actual DAOs, and I'm curious what's your <laughs> sense of the state of DAO tooling. Like, what are some of the DAO tools that you think are useful? What do you think are some of the unsolved tooling problems as opposed to governance problems? That is a good question. I have mostly avoided the DAO tooling space. One of why the, is that? Tell me why. Because I think a lot of DAO tools are developed by people who don't DAO. So it's people who are outside the DAO space. They're not actively using DAOs. And they see it. Where, why do you think they're developing the tools then? Because it's an underdeveloped space. Okay. I think so right now I just think that a lot of a lot of tooling is being over-engineered. I the entire web3 space is over-engineered. It's for devs by devs and so this is why we've struggled with mass adoption for two or three cycles. We think that people want decentralization and then you tell them that if you lose the 12 words or if somebody else sees your 12 words your entire bank account disappears. Like things like that are not attractive to the to the masses. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like, wait, no, if you control this, like the bank doesn't control your money. And they're like, what do you mean? I want the bank to control my money. And so I think we're still at a cultural education gap, but also the, the tooling that we've, we've developed is not particularly for mass adoption. It's for people who are working full-time in the space. In that sense, I'd love to plug where I work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is Topolis, which is an important DAO tooling for uh, employment. Uh, and I think that sometimes that's not considered tool. I, there's a very broad definition for tooling, but most people who work in the DAO space aren't able to process their crypto in a tax compliant way and, and know how to do it or have the time to, or want to, or desire, desire to do it. It's a, it's a huge pain in the ass. Nobody wants to sit there and, and play with spreadsheets to figure out how much they owe the government. If they're going to yeah. sit there and play with spreadsheets, it's to try to figure out a P&L and, or, and try to flip some JPEGs or something, but not to figure out how much you owe the tax man. So what we've done is we've created an ecosystem, a tool 
that allows people to focus on whatever they're freelancing on, whatever they're working on, whoever they're working for, and not really about the the business paperwork backend tax compliance. And then also they get healthcare, which is a, a fun feature. Yeah, I was going to ask actually. So healthcare obviously is a big reason that people would maybe hesitate to become more involved with DAOs. What are some of the other couple of reasons that you think people aren't more involved with DAOs right now? What do you think are some of the barriers? So, I- okay. All right. What are some of the barriers that you see in preventing more people from becoming involved in DAOs? Cool. Yeah. So I would answer this from two sides. So the one as part of like the great resignation we're seeing in, in Silicon Valley, one of the hesitations that these people have is from not just finding another job or doing their own startup in the Web2 world is, is healthcare and benefits. That infrastructure really didn't exist before Opolis, and we are trying our best to reach them to, to let them know it's okay to you know travel west over the Mississippi and try to strike it rich out west. Um, the other side of that, I think, is the steep learning curve. The rabbit hole is very deep and can be dark. And there are a lot of places that you can stray toward getting scammed. And it's not particularly inviting. And then you try to learn things and you get pointed into discords. And if you get into a bad discord that's like a pump and dump group, you're going to have a really bad experience because you found a bunch of traders and you did not find a bunch of builders. And that mm. same problem we have on Twitter or crypto Twitter, CT as people refer to it, our celebrities are traders, people who got rich. These are who the people that we have chosen to be our influencers. So they're the ones who get the likes. They are the ones who do the engagement farming. When you follow traders, you are bound to get wrecked because they are professionals at trying to convince you to buy what they've already bought. And then there are just straight up scams where let's say you wanted to buy the Board Ape Yacht Club and it's misspelled by a letter and you end up buying something that is not that. That happens all the time. And so because the entire ecosystem is financially incentivized, the stakes are a little bit higher. So it's not like learning, I don't know, a trade craft. I can't lose my entire net worth trying to figure out how to become a plumber or HVAC. I'm paying for a course and either I pass or and get a job or I don't, right? Whereas this, you're like, oh, this is a great opportunity. This is investing. But it's not particularly investing 100% because you can contribute through like sweat equity and you can actually buy working for with a DAO, you can actually earn equity. You can earn a place at the, a seat at the table. And while that's incredibly powerful, that's also incredibly daunting. And people don't realize that you can, there's no, there, there isn't really a barrier to entry. You can just reach out your hand, say hello, introduce yourself and start contributing. I, I think I think that makes sense. So like what I hear there is there's obviously a fear of the of being scammed and sort of what are the financial risks in being vol- involved. There is the health insurance piece which Opolis helps solve. And mm-hmm. then there is the fact that it it is accessible, but you have to just kind of go in here, avoid the scams and then start doing 
the work. I, I guess potentially in comparison to what you're saying about trades or other things, you don't just learn the skill and then you have the skill. You have to sort of do a, a set of work and then you start yeah. getting that skill. You learn by doing. Um, learn by doing. And, and there's no amount of like YouTube videos. I don't think there are many that are good anyway, but there's no amount of like YouTube videos or articles you could read that would really just get you to understanding what it is that we're doing. I mean, we're basically, this is, we're, we're basically building in a financial and technological revolution. And what do you think about some of the on-ramps like rabbit hole, GG build space or other similar on-ramps to help people get involved in crypto when they're not doing like when they don't have a good background in that. Do you I, think those are helpful? I love them. Yeah, they're amazing. So Rabbit Hole is one of the first places that I point people to. I actually had a call with somebody from BuildSpace earlier today. I didn't I didn't know that they existed and they're a massive community. And I think that speaks toward how fast the community is growing and how someone like me who's been doing this for 3 years who is trying to pay attention to everything still misses these massive communities. It's it's huge and it's growing, which is really exciting. I would add Index Coop and Bankless DAO to okay. yeah yeah to those communities that are great places to start. Where like you can you can literally show up. There are calls constantly happening. You just attend a session, and then someone says like, "Hey, we've got this project. Do you want to go on this like sprint essentially?" And then you just start doing. It's it's just amazing how how low the barrier to entry is for a lot of these things. Yeah, it, it seems like if you have the time, then you can definitely get involved and start becoming a, a key contributor in some type of DAO. What are your thoughts on some of the reputation pieces that some people are trying to build? Sort of like on-chain verification of work done and identity. Does that yeah. solve a problem that you see? How do you feel about it? I think it solves problems and I think it creates other problems. The thing that I spend the most time thinking about in in terms of this category is that your on-chain reputation can be highly financialized. What I mean by that is your address is tied to your identity, right? Which is also your bank account, or at least one of your bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while people try not to put their main financial stake in an address that is clearly tied to them. It's also a signal of community. So sorry, it's it's a signal of community and then also of governance. So where you hold your DAO shares is tied to your reputation, which is tied to the address that's tied to your name. So you have these DAO shares that end up being, they start worth nothing. They end up being worth something. You get airdrops and then like for the ENS airdrop, it was referred to, and I agree, responsibility. So it's it's you're being airdropped responsibility over governing a public utility. And then you have GTC, which is another one, the Gitcoin coin, which is a responsibility over governing one of the core pieces of infrastructure. And after a while, you've you know, you start with five thousand dollars or less in most cases, and then through the course of a bull market, end up with a couple extra zeros, and it's public. It is entirely t- the, your reputation and your bank account are tied publicly to your name, and so a lot of a lot of people found fame through this way, humming traders who became 
successful. And in the DAO governance side of the space, I think we're going to start seeing problems in the next couple months. Because of the crash in the market or something else? No, 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 not because of that. Because like people, the opposite, actually, as in people who are highly visible, accidentally having way more money in doxed addresses than they should and becoming what potentially victims of like a $5 wrench attack. And what is, can you, can you explain what that is? Yeah. A $5 wrench attack is where, so people think that the easiest way to steal your crypto is by like hacking your computer or initiating a phishing scam by getting you to put your secret, your secret phrase or a private key somewhere. But the easiest way to steal someone's crypto is with a $5 wrench where you literally hit them until they give you their seed phrase. Okay. <laughs> and this is the, this is like the, the mean, danger of down in the peninsula here. I think someone had $4 million of crypto stolen. Someone went into their house with a weapon, took 90 yep. minutes and made them transfer it over $4 million. Yep. And that's why I don't keep anything that has the ability to like any of that kind of money. I don't keep on my person. I don't keep it in my house. So there's no way for someone to come in to my house and steal $4 million. And I, I think a lot of people follow similar OPSEC. The problem being people with $5 wrenches don't generally know that to be the case, and it's still life-threatening. And so it's it's very dangerous for people who have large sums of responsibility to have it tied to a public address, which is another, another part of the reputation. Thing. Yeah. Maybe less on the, the operation security side and more just sort of on the dental DAO side. When it comes to onboarding and culture of a DAO, how do you think about maintaining culture and onboarding people effectively into the DAO to become good contributing members? That's a really good question. So I'm one who believes that a DAO should never grow beyond Dunbar's number, which is like 100 to 150. Mm-hmm. And if a DAO starts to grow beyond that, it's no longer one DAO. It should it should be it's it's just waiting to die. There, I mean, obviously there are so there's there's caveats to that in that like DAOs can also serve a finite purpose. So like let's say I'm trying to raise you know five million dollars to buy a bunch of land in Colorado, which I may be doing in the next few months. That it doesn't necessarily need to be limited to Dunbar's number. Um, it should, but it that's not a perfect example because it's land. Let's say we're trying to buy the Constitution and put it into a gallery. That's a much better example. You're, you're raising $10, $20, $50 from hundreds, thousands of people. The DAO serves a very specific purpose. Once it has concluded its business, it doesn't need to exist anymore. And so things like that that are a little bit more ephemeral can grow beyond Dunbar's numbers safely. When you're talking about something like Raid Guild, that is a firm. It's essentially the new version of the firm. And that is a weekly meeting, bringing on new clients, completing sprints, shipping products, uh, growing in profits and giving shares to DAO members. I think that you do start to lose something once you grow beyond Dunbar's number. Once you don't know everybody, you're not friends with everybody in the guild. So it sounds like then you're proposing a limit on the size of DAOs, like DAOs shouldn't reasonably grow beyond 150 people. 
I think would limit the scale and effective, or that would limit the impact of DAOs. Yeah, would um, you see DAOs of DAOs as a solution to that? Yeah, DAOs of DAOs are definitely it's already a solution. So in inside of the DAO house ecosystem, we have Uber House, and so all of the DAOs that that form these Moloks through DAO House uh, can join the Uber House ecosystem, the DAO of DAOs. Um, I think it's probably a would be considered a hot take that things shouldn't grow beyond Dunbar's number. I don't think I, I would never propose like a hard cap because the space is all about freedom and flexibility and doing what's right for whatever your community is. But I think culturally it makes sense to, to just be like, Hey, look, this DAO is getting too big. We're going to lose our culture if we don't do something about it. When it comes to um, recognizing skills or seniority that in a traditional corporation might come through promotion and title, how does that work in a DAO? What, does that notion make sense? Is that antithetical to a DAO? How does that work? So title is significantly less important than the Web2 world. Uh, leveling through experience and leveling through seniority does exist. But I think it's more in terms of deference than it is in terms of anything else. There, there are certainly like members of of the DAOs that I contribute to who are like elders, who've who've been around, who have the vision, who we voluntarily cede authority. I don't know if authority is the right word to to like to lead. And I, there are there are other like strong founder led organizations. Where it's important that there's a strong founding team and, and they'll have a a sort of corporate structure. And I don't think that that's mutually exclusive from from DAOs or or what we're trying to accomplish in this space overall. It it definitely is creating weird situations. Like for example, Opolis is split into two organizations. We have the Opolis Inc. and the Employment Commons LCA, and that's a Colorado cooperative. And so all the members join the cooperative. All of our, most of our new hires join as employee members instead of coming through the Inc. And the goal long-term is for the Inc. to become part of the commons, kind of dissolve. And eventually my salary will be determined by a, like a forum vote of members of the cooperative. That's a little bit daunting. I don't think my wife's looking forward to that. <laughs> so let, let's say that that happens and i think about this at some point people are going to need to know how much people like you or others should be paid mm-hmm. and then you know in the web 2 world and the general corporate world there's tools that do salary transparency or compensation yeah. setting do you envision something like that happening in the DAO world where it's like okay how much does a, a steward of community or an executive steward of community get paid in a DAO? yeah so i think a lot of that's already being built. I don't know names off the top of my head, but like I'm imagining like a web three glass door in which a lot of these salaries are are aggregated and posted. So a lot of the data is already out there because you can see on chain what people are paid. Um hmm. I don't think so anybody's tried to aggregate that data. Hmm. Got it. So, yeah, so there's a, a room for would probably be working on it if anybody what was that? I said deep DAO would probably be working on that if if anybody if I'm thinking about like the DAO tooling landscape boardroom maybe and then what about learning so people come in they learn by doing Mm -hmm. 
Is there anyone that like looks forward and says, okay, we're all doing this now, but six to 12 months from now, we're going to be need to doing X. And so we all need to figure out how we gain those skill sets. Does that type of longer term thinking, I'm sure it happens within members of the DAO, but is that coordinated and thought about in some way? If it is, I haven't been part of those conversations. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like, I know that like, I think a lot of us focus inward on the projects that we're building. And one of the, and this is something that's a very common theme with everyone in the, in the DAO space is a coordination and fighting Moloch. And one of the things that I don't think we do super well is coordinate inter project. So like, we still operate very corporate in that sense where it's like, oh, my DAO is going to try to partner with your DAO and we're going to do whatever this thing is. For example, we, we've we partnered with Brain Trust, who's like a freelancer yeah. collective, and they bring in and train and help deploy freelancers. And they've got a token. It's decentralized. It's really cool. But they don't have employment benefits. So we do that side of it for them. And so it's kind of a perfect harmony. And so these individual partnerships get developed, but I don't think there's anybody who's really, and that's the nature of decentralization, thinking like long-term vision. And if somebody came along and tried to do that, we'd probably fight them and say, no, like why, who gives you the authority who, who made you king of the DAO space? So I think that that, like the hesitation toward authority has prevented sort of that long-term thinking um, and as much as we'd like to think that we're coordinating and building together these money Legos, the marketplace really decides based off of who's able to get better funding and who's able to get better market adoption to like create the Lego, put their own Lego in the stack and then keep building. And I don't think that there's, there isn't really anybody, you know, like Wizard of Oz behind the curtain who's like designed the Legos and has said, this is the structure we'd like to build with the Legos. We're literally, we, we are focusing on it one brick at a time and trying to fit them together. That's, that's a really good question that you brought up. I will say now that, about that. <laughs> DAOs sound like a very American invention after hearing this. Where it's uh, yes, yes, very much so. I think, well, it, it, the irony of that is that the original The DAO was not developed by an American. I'm pretty sure he was German. The oh, Slocket is the, the original The DAO. I will, I will say that America was not developed by Americans, but by British. That's also people, true. Or, or, or <laughs> other people of other ethnic origins. Thinking about the Brain Trust one, I'm curious about that. So you have a partnership with Brain Trust. Do they? Can you talk about the details of that? Are there any like financial considerations involved? Or is it really helping the freelancers at Brain Trust get employment benefits? There have not been... It no, we haven't really. There's not like documents that have been signed. It's more of like a, my membership and marketing team is working with their ops and marketing team to try to co-brand some things and provide additional benefits for our members and for their members. Yeah. So, so do you do co-marketing together? We've started to. Interesting, but I suppose in the in the Web two world, that would definitely be done with probably some type of rev share and legal agreement. There'd be a team of lawyers hashing it out. It sounds like we're still in the the higher trust world right now within Web three, where it's more. Of a, um, well, a so our agreement. the way our the way our referral system works is when 
when so they're basically their referral partner and so when when an organization refers a member they're earning work in the same quantity that the members earning work because we it's a one to one employee member to referral ratio so let's say they've got a freelancer who's bringing in $100,000 worth of contracts uh, over the course of a year. It's not one-to-one in this sense, but it just happens to be right now based off of the current math. If you ran $100,000 in payroll, you'd earn about 100000 work, a little over 100000 work. So the freelancer is earning 100000 work over the course of the year. Braintrust is also earning about 100000 work over the course of the year. So it's a mutually beneficial I don't know, treasury enlargement strategy. And then if you refer people over, I think Braintrust does give tokens for recruiting. If if Opolis refers people over, mm-hmm. do those tokens, do the B-Trust tokens go into a central treasury of Opolis? Uh, we haven't discussed that, but probably, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> How do you help and shape and think about the culture of a DAO? I think the hmm I think that methodical growth is important. We haven't gone out and just spent thousands of thousands and thousands of dollars on advertising trying to get random people who happen to click on our, you know, a Google search. We've been trying to grow in the DAO space, direct referrals We've got a bunch of like chiropractors who refer their chiropractor friends and real estate agents who do the same. So the the growth happens methodically and in a, in a way that the people that we're onboarding all are, for the most part, maybe about 70, 80% share in this Web3 ethos. And so you're able to have this conversation with people about like why open source is important, why these decentralized tokenomics are important what it is that we're building long-term and the the goals of the organization and of DAOs and the ecosystem overall. And because we've grown, not we in this sense, Opolis, but we, an ethereal DAO ecosystem, have grown relatively slowly. These conversations have been happening. And so we're we're growing with people who understand the vision. Which is why it's so interesting that like maybe a couple times a week, I'll get a LinkedIn from somebody in Silicon Valley who's like, we'd love to pay you an hour to consult. We're building a DAO tooling company. That's like, I've never heard of you. I've never seen you in any of the discords. I've never seen you at any of the events. I don't know how you're going to build tooling for me. Just from one hour of conversation. I'm not every DAO user. So even if I was able to, you know, take your $500, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to actually build something. The, the, the research is interesting, but there's no way to, my, my point being. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I think what's interesting to me is like the community. Like it's so important to show up in the yeah. community at this stage of DAO. Of DAO it is, and it's so easy to show up in the community. You did say something earlier that I haven't, I'm not really cognizant of because I've been living in this world is that if you have the time and a lot of it, because of what we do, we consider this to be like work, like crypto is 24 seven, the markets never close, mm-hmm. but most of the work does happen like nine to five Monday through Friday. There are community calls that happen on Sundays and Saturdays, but I 
don't generally attend them because I do keep to a certainly not nine to five. I, I do a lot of my best work between like six and 10 p.m. <laughs> That's okay. just me as yeah. a person. Yeah, you got to um, live but, your schedule. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of it does happen nine to five. Most of my meetings are nine to five. Most of the community calls happen between nine to five. That's not conducive to people who work nine to five jobs. So how are they going to find us if we're only working when they work? Yeah. And I mean, I think I look at myself and at my point in career I am and my, you know, couple of kids and responsibility. The only way mm-hmm. I can see switching over to DAOs is I quit my job to then be able to focus on it. I think like I could do it on weekends, but it's obviously just more difficult. Whereas people in high school, in college, maybe they have a little bit more flexible schedules. And yeah. so I can see if how... You were to, uh, if you were to quit your job to work full-time in DAOs, what would you want to do? Probably something on the marketing side, you know? But, but I think that the type of marketing I do... Well, I mean, I guess I, I'm saying this. You obviously used to do user acquisition at Lyft. I would say the type mm-hmm. of performance marketing, it doesn't really make sense at this stage of Web3. That's what I think. I think it's more about perf- audience and community than mm. ads buying. Or... or yeah. And I think we're starting to see maybe with some of the crypto exchanges, they're starting to have that mass marketing push, crypto.com, FTX, Coinbase. But as you go deeper into it, it is not it is not that yet. Well, the, those also aren't Web3. Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> that's, fair. A, that's another fire statement. Uh, yeah, so this is one of the things that we talk about. So Govern is a is a team company DAO that I invested in. They It's decentralized politics. So, you know, right up my alley. And one of the things that we we talk about or we've talked about in, in some of their meetings is is that like all of the all of the political presence, all of the lobbying is done by centralized exchanges. It's done by Binance, Kraken, Coinbase, Gemini, all the things you just named, who mm-hmm. uh, OpenSea, who all have different agendas, who all of these centralized entities that are just profit sharing, not profit sharing, profit churning machines of value extraction that are not part of the ethos, but are just talking, they're just doing the crypto and they're not doing any of the other part of it. And it's, it's, it's weird that like they're a hundred percent of the presence uh, with the exception of like the board Ape Yacht Club of what people see. Well, so I the mean, FTX, you know, bought a stadium and what I was going to say is that they are getting funds to then go out and buy visibility, yeah. right? Like their goal is oh, yeah. to be more huge visible. Money. Huge, huge money. A- absolutely. Whereas mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't sound like Opolis is out to grow in that way or channel money in that way because they want to put it to the members. We So we were very selective in our seed round of who we allowed to invest in us. Most traditional investors are there for value extraction. That's the the point of investing is to make money, right? But what we we chose very specific investors who were focused more on the three to five to seven, 10 year timeline, who wanted to build a global public utility with us, who understood the values of taking the money, keeping it in the community, seeing a return. But having that return be part of the growth rather than let's see how much money I can take out within the first year. Um, a lot of the VCs that are getting into the, like the VC game has changed entirely because you, they're used to these like four year cliffs in Silicon Valley, right? And most token lockups are like six months. And so they can take 
they can invest, pull tokens out in six months, sell them, and then reinvest. So the entire cycle's changed. We are actually about to start shopping around for a lead for what will probably be a Series A. So it's going to be very interesting to see this like give and take, given our, our, our previous strategy was not to take VC money. And with the Series A, it's probably a little bit more difficult to do with not using any yeah. venture capital. I, I mean, I think, I, I don't know, but find the right venture capitalist who has that longer time horizon understands that what you all are doing is extremely disruptive in a very different way, right? There, oh, yeah. there are PEOs, right? Trinet's a PEO, JustWorks is a PEO, mm-hmm. but in a decentralized member-owned way is unique. And that has a whole different set of value, right? That as the network grows, it becomes more valuable yeah. for everyone and involved. The, the, yeah. And like the number of freelancers right now is like 70 million adults in the US are freelancers or self-employed. And that number is going to keep growing. So much. Like I've looked at this and I think it's maybe 20 or 30% of people in the Gen X are freelancers. And it's like 50% plus in Gen Z. And to your point, it'll just keep growing. It's a generational yeah. shift. And like Trinet's not going to go after these people because they are companies of one. It's not economical for them. So these products aren't being developed. The closest is like Gusto. And Gusto still prefers you have two plus employees. And I think there are some more financial solutions, but I agree with you. On the employment benefit side, on the health insurance side, I think it's going to be an overlooked space. It's tough to do. And certainly in America, it's not going to be a solved problem by the government. Yeah. Oh, and the question that I like asking people, well, kind of a joke, but they're like, you're familiar with Al Capone? The, the gangster from Chicago? Yes, the gangster. The one who is, yeah. you know, one of the most prolific killers of the 20s, 30s, right? What did he go to jail for? Tax fraud, tax evasion. Yeah, tax evasion. And that's one of the things that people in our space are going to start getting tagged with because they're flipping these JPEGs and they don't, they're, you know, the one of the pre- prevailing tax advice that was going around was like, if you're not pulling it out into fiat, like you don't have to pay taxes on it. And that probably is not correct. No, it's not true. Um, I mean, for the, I'm sure for the people who care about it is not true. I think the question is whether or not the government will track it down. But if you're doing it through OpenSea, it seems much oh, more it's likely. so trackable. I mean, with the like, just like I, between IP addresses and you're just at and and the the advancements in chain analysis, like it's really dumb to try to hide these things. And like the place where the government is going to get you is by trying to evade taxes. And this is one of the cornerstones of what Opolis is about, is, is this web two to web three bridge. It's like, let's build the financial revolution, but like don't evade taxes because that's how you get caught. The government doesn't care what you're doing as long as they get their cut. That's their thing. They want their cut. And so what we do is we take these crypto incomes that these contributors have, we process it compliantly, make sure that the state, local, and federal governments are getting their cut. They're going to leave us alone. It's these people who are out here like, oh, I made all this money. And then, okay, well, there's no tax account for this random anon. You're going to get targeted. That's a... Opolis, making sure Mm -hmm. that you're safe if you have a medical emergency but also keeping you safe from the government and in the IRS. Yes. Yeah, both of those things. Hey, everyone. This is your host, EJ Loss. I hope you enjoyed that deep dive into DAOs with Joshua Lapidus. That was a lot of fun recording. I learned a lot from it. If you have any questions, comments, please feel reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is elawless, 
and look forward to connecting with any of you as well. Thanks and have a great day. Mm-hmm.